0: You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions of that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Arik, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore, the publisher of The Bark Board. And, Jackson, here we are. We're just days away from kickoff to another season. How are you feeling right
1: now? Yeah, I'm feeling good, Lucio. I'm ready. It's been a long time coming. The long off season feels like it went went on forever with the realignment stuff and everything, and Football's finally here. I, I got to cover two games remotely for week zero that I have some of the other teams I cover playing. So, had a little bit of a taste last weekend, but uh, ready for the real thing in the full lineup. And especially this game to finally see the Bulldogs in action against such a, what feels like an evenly matched opponent on the road. Uh, I mean, this is going to be a fun one to start things off.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, way to, way to get things going. We're going to have uh, one of these uh, Power Five teams uh, that. Fresno is going to uh, to go up against, and it's always it's always fun to watch uh, Fresno compete against one of these uh, teams, especially when with all the turmoil that's happening uh, around the, uh, around college football right now, with all the conferences playing the merry merry-go-round, so to speak. Um, but uh, it'll give a chance for to see where the Bulldogs kind of stand in the mix against uh, a Power Five team, and uh, hopefully, it turns out to be a good one. I mean, uh, after Taking in what you saw during fall camp. You think this is going to turn out to be a good game?
1: Yeah, you know, it's hard to tell what's going on at Purdue, but at least on Fresno State side, you know, watching most of the camp and getting a good feel for the team, I'm feeling pretty good about where things stand. Um, Just in general, the defense has pretty much lived up to expectations and they got out of fall camp healthy. So, I mean, that group should be ready to go offensively. There's still some question marks, but. I feel pretty good about the skills position talent that has filled in some of the gaps, and Mikey Keene has done everything that he's needed to do to earn the starting job at quarterback. And you know, still want to see that O line, see if they've how much they've improved or not. But I mean, there's you know not a lot of question marks on this team. You know, a few of them, and some of them are kind of circumstantial for this first game, just if the offense is going to get in sync fast enough. But you know, I, I think the Bulldogs, with the team that they have and the schedule they have. I mean, that should be a really good season, and hopefully it kicks off on the right note.
0: Oh, absolutely. Hopefully we can get things moving in the right direction here. But, uh, uh, you know, first game of the season, we're going to see where all the feces – all the pieces fall into place. And right now, Jackson, let's go over kind of what you got to see uh, in the final stages of fall camp. I mean, you know, take it all in. Uh, You know, we had a a group of starters that were named. But before we we go through those, any surprises to you? I mean, you saw what was going on out there. Any any players that caught your eye that you were kind of surprised by and, and may have moved up the depth chart?
1: Yeah, there's definitely a, a few on the depth chart I, I may not have expected to be. Um, I think the starting lineup is about what we expected to see. Um, on the O-line, I a little bit surprised just that all the returners basically held their spot. Uh, there was a few transfers that came in and the, some junior college offensive linemen. and None of them bumped the starters off that were returning. I, I don't know if that's good or bad, but you know, that was a group that could have gone a variety of different ways. Um, That receiver, Jalen Moss has really probably been about the star of camp in terms of players that are back and have really made a big leap forward. He's a redshirt freshman wide receiver who was the Bulldogs' best recruit in last year's class and, uh, I mean, just been fantastic all camp long. He's not listed on the active depth chart as a starter, but I think he is going to be starting just the way that they put the receivers on the field uh, on this depth chart they've got two slot receivers listed and only one outside receiver listed with uh, Delana Brooks and Gill on there. And I I would assume they're going to have two outside receivers uh, when they take the field for the first time. So I would expect Moss to start if that is the case. Uh, Devin rivers, the true freshman uh, running back, the only true freshman I believe on the two deep, Um, not necessarily a surprise that he's doing well, but just there was a lot of competition there for him to get one of those spots. So, that was pretty impressive for him to come in and play like he did. On the defensive side of the ball, again, the starting lineup is not a big surprise, but a few have stood out, like Kavika Baumgartner, a defensive tackle. He's had a really good camp. Um, Jalen Williams has found a new home in Nickelback and is in the backup spot. And Cameron Braca, a walk-on from Fresno City, beating out a couple of returners for a, a second-team safety spot. So um, there's a, a few names I didn't expect on the two deep that have really – exceeded expectations but i think if i would have mapped out the two deep uh, back in the spring it, w- it would have looked pretty similar to what we we got, finally got on monday
0: yeah and and what we have we're going to be going over that position by position and you're going to uh, you know go ahead and give us your take on these players uh but you know it sounds like uh fresno state did have a very good successful fall camp and we're able to answer a lot of questions well whether or not that will translate onto the field is we'll see what happens but uh why don't we just go ahead and and kind of break down you know the the position by position the starters that were named let's start off with the quarterback position this is one that everybody was trying to figure out what was going to happen here uh many had uh, keen you know there was a couple of five uh there was mentions of Fife maybe stealing it or even somebody you know out of nowhere coming in taking that starting position and they ended up landing on Mikey Keene so what's your thoughts on that Jackson
1: yeah you know kind of the result we all expected to see there was you know, some thought maybe Logan Fife would take a big step and uh, maybe fend off Keene for the job but you know for the most part getting a big transfer like that from UCF the guy that is you know commanding some Nil um Assets for coming here and getting some opportunities on that side of things. We've seen them on commercials already and on billboards even before. Now T-shirts before he was named the starter, so I felt like that was going to happen. Um, so I I would say the competition was probably a bit closer than some would have expected, and that you know there wasn't a you know a, a super wide distance between kind of the skill set that the two of them have. They're both pretty evenly measurable and. You know, a lot of the same attributes, but at the end of the day, Coach Sedford said that Keane was more consistent and over the course of all the spring and all the fall, that just starts to add up and you know, more careful with the ball, less turnovers from what we've heard. And uh, just overall, the, the pick that they went they felt you know, comfortable with, and there's not going to be any two-quarterback in the first game or anything, they already said. You know, maybe down the line, if they are worried about the position, they'll think about that. But right now, Keen's going to be the guy all game long, uh, assuming he stays healthy for four quarters at Purdue. Um, I, I will say, in addition to Logan Fife, uh, Jalen Mandel as well had just a, a very impressive camp, uh, the true freshman who was here already in the spring. Um, I mean, he's kind of been the talk, especially since none of the coaches really wanted to talk about Mikey Keen or Logan Fife until they finally made a decision. So there was a whole bunch of keen questions thrown at coach Tedford uh, on Monday, but, uh, Mandel, I mean, really impressed and they got a lot of praise and Joshua Wood, who was also kind of in the same boat as a redshirt freshman. He got injured over the course of camp, probably not going to see him. So, uh, you know, there was some thought maybe he would be a a wild card and all this, but it's really been Mandel who stepped in and kind of been that third guy and, so may not be far from being the second guy in the near future too. So if he keeps playing the way that he has, so. Um, but the, the big story at the end of the day is Keen being the starter, and I think Fresno State's in good hands. Uh, Gabe did an awesome story on the Barkboard. If uh, you guys haven't seen it yet, to check out, where he just goes through all the ups and downs of Keen's times at UCF and kind of comparing him to what Jake Hayner did. And man, some of the highlights are, are really impressive, and it feels like. Especially when you think back about Jake Hayner and Marcus McMarion, they both came here and you know, neither of them had the type of college success that Keene has already had at UCF. So as far as a starting point goes and being game ready in his first start, uh, advantage to Keen on on that compared to even some of the great quarterbacks that have come in the last couple of cycles for Coach Tedford.
0: That is exciting to hear for the Bulldogs, as you know they've had success picking up uh, these uh, quarterbacks that started elsewhere and came in here and have been very successful. It seems to like it's been the recipe for the Bulldogs lately. Uh, but it it is good to hear that we've got an up and comer, uh, a local guy who is who's really uh, showing his own and uh, looks good for Fresno State's future at the quarterback position. Now that being said, uh, the next pl- uh, position we got the running back position, and they ended up landing on Malik Sherrod, and I don't think we were uh, surprised by that one. And uh, they've got Devon Rivers coming in at, uh, in the second slot. But you know, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, you know, Sherrod has exceeded expectations every step of the way last year. You know, was he going to be the backup? And he was. And when he got the ball, it was pretty successful. And when uh, they didn't take Jordan Mims off the field much, but so it was always Sherrod when uh, they needed the next guy up. They brought in Damian Moore from Cal transfer. You know, he just been thanked up a lot this off season and uh, didn't quite overtake Sherrod. Elijah Gilliam made some moves during the off season, but uh, and three true freshmen came in, but you know, no one could knock off Sherrod from that top spot. So you know, they're expecting pretty big things from him. I think we'll see more running backs get involved than we've seen in the past years they've got Devin Rivers as the backup that one's a bit of a surprise just because it felt like Elijah Gilliam had been that guy you know he was all spring and looked like he had been that guy for most of the fall but they kept talking up Devin Rivers they kept talking up Brandon Ramirez too the local from uh, San Joaquin Memorial who has also had a really good camp at running back and I think we may see both of them maybe we see Gilliam too but uh, as far as the majority of the reps and carries are definitely going to go to Sherrod.
0: Yeah, that's going to be uh, it's going to be old, old reliable for the Bulldogs. <clears throat> that's what's uh, like you said in the last couple of seasons. He he's always been the next next name to come up. So it's only natural that they've put Sherrod into that position. But uh, don't sleep on Rivers. He he may see more and more playing time as the season progresses. So keep an eye on that one. Now, at the next position, we've got wide receivers, and they ended up landing on Magdalena, Eric Brooks, and Jalen Gill, uh, being backed up by Josiah Freeman, Jordan Brown, and Jalen Moss. Uh, and uh, Jackson, you were able to kind of get a lot uh, of, of viewing time on these receivers. And so, what did, you th- what did you think about where they ended up?
1: Yeah, you know, the order's just a little interesting, as I mentioned earlier, about the way they did it, because. Unless they make a change here late, Jalen Gill was expected to be a slot receiver. That's where I've seen him the most. That's the same with Eric Brooks, who returns and is the most accomplished Bulldog receiver that's returning on this team. But you know, there's no doubt that those are the three guys they feel most comfortable with. Uh, I mean, Mac has just been waiting his turn. Uh, Brooks, again, has proven it over the last couple of years. And Jalen Gill coming from Boston College, I mean, he's a, a very, very impressive athlete. He was originally... Just shy of five star status as a recruit, signed with Ohio State. Spent the last three years as a contributor at Boston College. Started majority of that time, and um, you know didn't really have a one huge season, but was a steady receiver for them. And watching the film from Boston College, uh, it reminded me a lot of Nico Ormehio in the sense that you know, not necessarily the athleticism or direct comparison, but the fact that Boston College didn't really seem to know how to use that guy. Uh, you know, they never put him in any screen passes or sweeps or you know all the things that Fresno State has loved to do with Remigio and Jalen Crawford over recent years and I think Gil's just a perfect fit for that but uh, they were very pro style at Boston College and uh, I think he's got a real chance to have a huge breakout year. He's a six-year senior and uh, he's also going to be on kick returns as we'll get to special teams down the, the road here. Uh Early, I also mentioned earlier Jalen Moss. I, I mean, I think he'll probably start, even though he's listed as a second-teamer, at a huge fall camp, but kind of passed up Josiah Freeman, who was a big name in the spring. And I think Freeman will still play a lot, too. Uh, but Moss and Freeman, you know, both will be involved. And I wouldn't be surprised if they play more guys than are on the depth chart. Um, they're going to have three or four receivers on the field a lot. They're going to try to rotate those guys quite a bit. And so uh, Jordan Brown's the other one on there. Uh, uh, he had two touchdowns in the spring preview and has just continued to impress. Um, there's a whole bunch of receivers that might uh, be factored in, though. There's, I mean, receivers number 7, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. I mean, that's all pretty close. So it's going to be a curious one to watch in Purdue. Who else might see the field? And Coach McCann talked about having different packages for some players that aren't on the depth chart. So um, that's one to keep an eye out for as well.
0: Yeah, so that's going to be interesting to see how these uh, wide receivers play. Because let's face it, there is a ton of them. Even some of the ones that weren't even um, mentioned on, <laughs> you know, three or four deep. I mean, they've got quite a few wide receivers, don't they, Jackson?
1: Yeah, I mean, they brought in four junior college receivers in this class. None of them are on the two deep, but all of them have been pushing. They you go know, right behind those guys, and uh, there is plenty of others too. Um, One receiver even came back from an injury this week for our VIP readers have learned about. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of of options. And, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that evolves. And uh, I I think eventually we'll see eight receivers be in that mix uh, rather than just the six that are on paper right now
0: yeah absolutely there's a lot of them um so keep an eye on that there could be uh, a revolving door of wide receivers until they get a few wide receivers they get the hot hand and once those once that happens you'll know which ones they are <laughs> it <laughs> usually happens at fresno state there'll be favorite targets left and right as soon as uh, some of them start to to step out um now at the next position, the tight end position, uh, one that has been very important in the past and is, they've kind of shied away from it. Uh, I don't know, Jackson, they named Trey Watson and Jake Boust as the backup. Uh, what's your thoughts on the tight end selection and where they may be headed, this uh, the, the direction they may be headed this season?
1: Yeah, you know that's one area I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see. Um, Trey Watson, we know he has the athletic ability to basically be a a huge receiver at the tight end position uh, we've already seen him have some clashes in his first two years uh, before his injury last season, he's all the way back to full health. Now. Um, he has also put on a good amount of weight and muscle. So um, he has detracted maybe a little bit from that athleticism and he's a, a very confident blocker as well at this point. So kind of the whole package before he was more of a, a receiving target. So I think they'll be able to lean on him for more than, what he's done in the past. And, um, do I, I put out my depth chart projection uh, last week and I put four tight ends on that because usually that's how Fresno state rolls. They've got more of a receiving tight end and more of a blocking tight end, which Jake Baust, we know has filled that role in nicely last year. And I think there could be a role for a couple of other guys, Cameron Beecham and, and Jake Tarwater have been right there in the next two. Um, so you know, we'll see if it, there's usually a third tight end that's involved too. Um, It's going to be interesting, though, to see how Coach McCann meshes with all this because uh, it was more of kind of a spread look, an up-tempo kind of look that Eastern Washington ran when he was the interim offensive coordinator there. And this is a Fresno State offense that has been a little more balanced and a little more multiple in recent years. And especially with this defense, I think Fresno State's going to want to run the ball and maybe not be quite as up-tempo. And so uh, maybe there's more action for the tight ends than – uh, they would initially have intended with, with Coach McCann's scheme.
0: Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting uh, to see uh, just what kind of things they do with the tight ends because, you know, I've, I'm always a big fan of getting the tight ends involved, and I, it doesn't seem like they've done much of that in the last few years. Of course, when you have wide receivers that we've had the last few years, they kind of get overshadowed, don't they, Jackson? <laughs> Uh, but uh, typically that usually means when we've got those types of wide receivers, it leaves the tight end wide open, but it didn't seem like it really mattered because they were still able to get to those uh, wide receivers uh, often. So uh, let's, I'm, I'm very curious to see what they do this season. Um, Next, of course, we've got the offensive line um, and it's starting off with left tackle, Jacob Spalmer uh, backed up by Kinsley. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna murder this, Ugu. Oog- mm-hmm. Was I close, <laughs> Kinsley Ugu? Um, then we've got left guard Tyrone Sampson Jr. backed up by Campbell McHarg. Uh Center Jacob Isaiah uh, backed up by Julian Polino, Polindo. Um, right guard Mose Vavon uh, backed up by Osmar uh, Velez. <laughs> And right tackle Braylon Nelson, backed up by Roland Full- Fullwood. Did I get it? Did I make it without <laughs> murdering those names?
1: <laughs> uh, for the most part, um, you know, in the interior, Jacob Bissaya and Right Guard Jose Navarro. Uh, those two are, are going to be a big part of that interior. Um, the storyline for me all off season was that the Bulldogs brought in a couple of tackles, and it looked like. If they hit on one of them, that Jacob Spomer was going to move to center. And that never quite happened. So um, what we've got now is we've got Isaiah filling in for Bula Schmidt, who's now at UCF at center. Bavado uh, is where he's been. That left guard spot, uh, there's been three or four different guys that have been in that role. And it looks like Samson's there at the moment. You know, I think that's still up for grabs in the first couple of weeks. But it sounds like he's going to get the start. Spomer's still at left tackle. Um and so it's just interesting that, you know, the O-line, they were better last year, but they were still, I think, assisted by some very special skills position talent, and especially Jake Hayner being able to mask some of the past protection struggles that they had. Um, and they're rolling with about, you know, five guys that we've seen a lot of already. So hopefully they're a year better, that they're more experienced, and Coach Brian Armstrong is going to have the, some different wrinkles and different approaches with that group to see some improvement there. Um, But, you know, no one was able to knock off those spots as far as the the official depth chart is concerned. uh, The Kansas State transfer, Kingsley Ugu is currently the backup to Spomer. Um, The Oregon State transfer, Campbell McCarg has been in that mix. That left guard, he enters as the backup. And um, Hayden Poulos was one we've been watching, the Fresno City transfer, who... um, we thought might contend for that left tackle spot as well. He's just been a little bit behind as far as getting back to his previous self after a a really big injury last year uh, while he was with the Rams. So um, uh, kind of a wait and see. We'll see how this scheme and a new line coach is able to um, update and edit and improve what the line that Fresno State's had now for a while or if it's a little bit more of the same.
0: Yeah, that's uh, it that was the big question mark coming into the season that you and I were trying to figure out uh, what was going to happen here. Um, and now that it's been named, Jackson, what do you think?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, you know, that's one area where it didn't quite pan out what I expected. You know, I thought Spomer was going to be at center. I thought one of these new tackles was going to step in. Um, I, I thought Isaiah was going to be a guard and. So a lot has changed in that group. That's one that was a little tough to predict, but you know, I think the one saving grace is that these guys all have played together. There's chemistry there. There's a whole year, two, three of experience for some of these guys. Uh, you know, hopefully it all comes together this year, but it's it's tough to tell for sure. And you just hope that if they do struggle, it's not a huge, you know, weight on the shoulders of Mikey Keane in a way that maybe he didn't have to deal with the UCF, so you know, that's Really, the only key concern I have with about this whole team, really, um, I think there is enough there on offense to be solid, even if, um, you know, even if there are some struggles there. But you know, if the O line good, I think all the skills position talent is there for this to be a pretty good offense too.
0: Yeah, let's uh, let's hope that the offensive line, um, you know, does does hold up. Uh, last last season, it was kind of a hit and miss. Uh, uh, a lot of injuries uh, always happening uh, with that offensive line, so hopefully they can stay healthy this season. Now, moving on to the other side of the ball on defensive line, uh, let's start off with defensive end Devo Bridges. We've got defensive tackle John Johnny Hudson, defensive tackle Gabrielle Lightfoot, uh, and defensive end Isaiah Johnson, um, and then backups Charles Remingler, um, Kavika Baumgartner, uh, Dupree Dupree Mendoza, and Jazon Jax. I think I got them all this time. I'm getting better. getting better. Uh, But Jackson, you got a chance to see these defensive uh, linemen, and what are the hopes uh, this year? Are they going to be as as potent as they were last season, or is this going to be kind of a work in progress?
1: Yeah, you you talk about the hopes, and I think the hopes for this defensive line are that they're going to be deeper than they were last year. Uh, I think they checked that box this off season, and the other hope is that they can kind of by committee replace what they're losing in David Perales, who was really the the only loss here. Um, the Leonard Payne departing, you know, he was a big impact in the last couple of games, but um, he did not play a whole lot for most of the season, so I I just don't count that as a you know a huge departure for the D line in terms of what they did last year compared to what they should be this year. They're moving Devo Bridges from tackle to end and hoping that you know, he'll be as impactful at end and will replace Paralis. And you know, that means someone else has to step in a tackle. And uh, Gabriel Lightfoot's been that guy for them so far. Uh, they brought in a bunch of junior college defensive tackles. Uh, Bumgarner and Mendoza and Ezra Christensen, too, who's not listed, but I think all three of them are on pretty even playing fields. Baumgartner's really been probably the biggest breakout player of the group and i wouldn't be surprised if all three of them are are playing quite a bit as they you know cycle in about a solid four or even five tackles throughout the game at least they did last year um a defensive end he's not listed also but kamari bailey is a transfer from idaho he had a bunch of sacks for the vandals last season i I don't necessarily think he is going to be an every down defensive end which is why he's not listed but I bet on some pass rush situations and on some third and longs, he's going to be out there. I wouldn't be surprised if he grabs a sack or two in the first couple of weeks, uh, which is an important note for a guy that's not on the depth chart. Uh, Jason Jackson, Charles Rimlinger, um, both have been pretty solid. Rimlinger has just been a, a workhorse. I mean, he's playing two sports. He got put on scholarship last year. And he's just been you know, doing it all for the for Fresno State. Uh, he even played some tackle last year. He told me he was like 225 pounds in some of those games. So uh, he's back at end and feeling comfortable there. And Jax was um, getting some playing time last year as a true freshman until he suffered a season-ending injury. So now he's back on track and it looks like he's going to get some snaps too.
0: Yeah, that's going to be. Uh, hopefully, it's going to be a good uh, defensive line that uh, the next man's going to step up and and really uh, fill in the hole being left by Perales. Um But you know, we did see some glimmers of hope uh, at towards the end of the season when uh, when Perales went went out with his injury. Uh, hopefully, there's going to be more of that as uh, as the season progresses. Here, one of these guys is going to stand out as being the 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 force to be reckoned with so you know we'll see what happens as the as the Bulldogs start hitting the uh hitting the field here now next up is the linebacker position we've got uh at linebacker Lavelle Bailey uh backed up by Raymond Scott we've got linebacker um, Malachi Langley, uh, backed up by Phoenix Jackson. Then we've got the Nickelback, Mor- Morris Norris and Jalen Williams. And so, Jackson, uh, after taking a look at these uh, linebackers, what's your what's your thoughts on uh, on the starting lineup here?
1: The linebacker one's been interesting because there's like 10, 11, 12 linebackers on the roster. They can only put two of them on the field, and they're two guys that we've seen a- a whole lot of <laughs>
0: and, and and yeah, we saw a lot of the linebackers, especially yeah. at fall camp, when they were getting a little chippy with each other. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's only it's it's only fun to watch that these guys are ready to hit somebody. I mean, the, the, <laughs> they were ready.
1: Yeah, yeah and I, I don't blame them. Is you know, there's like six, seven guys that are, are trying to get some of these last even two deep spots, second team spots, and um, you know, there's a bunch of names probably on, that aren't on the two deep that. Are right there in the mix or might even play. Guys like Tim Thomas, the redshirt freshman who's just had a great spring and fall. Um, Tyler Mello, who's been struggling with injuries the last couple of years. I think he's real close to being in that list. But um, as good as Bailey and Langley are, it's really tough to take them off the field. It is nice to see Raymond Scott hitting his stride here. Um, you know, left this last season with an injury and just didn't get to see much of him as a transfer from USC. Uh, and now it's his chance to maybe contribute here. And having Maurice Norris back is big too. Uh, Nickelback uh, was uh, unexpected last year, but had a you know, really did a great job. Uh, the only name in this group here that's a surprise is Jalen Williams because he wasn't at this position a month ago. <laughs> I mean, he yeah. played yeah. cornerback for most of his time here at Fresno State. guy got here in 21. And then in the spring, they tried him at safety, and it's like, well, you know, he didn't crack the lineup at cornerback and it wasn't at safety, so you know, it, was, it was kind of surprising that Nickelback has proven to be the spot that he has really excelled at, and I think the experience at corner and at safety have kind of all combined together to make him a good fit for that position, too.
0: Yeah, that's uh, definitely going to gonna help, you know, when at first you can't succeed, you just keep trying a different position until you find a spot. <laughs> uh, well, uh, and it And it ended up working out for him and we'll we'll see just how good he he really fits in at that position. So uh let's uh, let's keep our fingers crossed that they finally found his little niche uh and and really can produce out on the field. Now at the next position, we've got the cornerback position. We've got uh cornerback Carlton Johnson uh being backed up by Azillian Hamilton and cornerback Cam Lockridge being backed up by Jamarian Briggs and um what do you think, Jackson? Are they going to be lockdown corners?
1: <laughs> yeah, as long as Johnson and Lockridge are on the field. I mean, the way they played the last four-plus games last season, I mean, that was awesome. <laughs> we, we haven't seen two cornerbacks play that well at Brisbane State in a long time. So, if uh, you know, again, as long as they're healthy, I mean, I feel as good about that. They might be the two most important players on this whole team, in my mind, the way that they played last year and the fact that it's probably going to be a different defense if one or both of those guys are for some reason injured or out of the lineup over the course of the year. So, I mean, those are my two biggest picks for this team to hit another level that I think they're capable of getting to. However, Alzilian Hamilton has really been impressive this offseason, and I feel like he's going to be able to fill in admirably if needed, and maybe they'll even rotate him in that he's that good. Um, and then Jamarion Briggs is the one that really has a lot on his shoulders. Uh, the redshirt freshman who has not played any college ball yet to round out that two deep. You know, hopefully if the Bulldogs get down the cornerback number four, that he'll be ready to, to take on the task.
0: Yeah, this is uh, definitely, like you said, it's going to be the most important uh, position. The Bulldogs need them to clamp down and really take the pressure off of the rest of the defense. If those guys can shut down the outside, it'll make things a lot easier for everyone else and uh, thus giving the Bulldogs uh, an upper hand, uh, so to speak, um, moving forward. So let's uh, let's hope that that is the actual case and the Bulldogs have found a couple of lockdown guys to, to kind of help the situation. Last, uh, last on defense is the safety position. Now we've got both Dean Clark and Stephen Comstock taking those positions. Uh, Cozy Agina and Cameron Bracha are the backups. and And what do you think on those, Jackson?
1: Yeah, um, you know Dean Clark has lived up to the expectations coming here from Kent State. Uh, I mean, he's been about as close to Evan Williams as they could have asked for. Losing him, I mean, that's really the one big blow on this roster in terms of the transfer portal. So, um, I mean, they did a very admirable mm-hmm. job trying to fill in for that and finding someone to be ready. And uh, Clark's that guy. I think Comstock as well um, is ready. Uh, he's a he's a D1 starting athlete, and it's just been a matter of finding the right position and getting it down and getting comfortable. And now as a sixth-year senior, I think now is the time. Um, Kosi Aguina ha- has been solid. Cameron Braca really impressed. He came in as a walk-on from Fresno City, so surprised a little bit to see him there, but there's been a lot of hype around him. And then um, lastly, uh, uh, Christian Gordon is not listed on the two deep, but played a lot last year. I think he'll be involved this year, too. So, um, In terms of losing three players that were so impactful to the safety room last year, L.J. Early, Elijah Gates, Evan Williams, I mean, this is as comfortable as you could be for Fresno State to have uh, these five guys ready to roll and Especially Clark
0: to lead the way. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to be important to see how these guys fit in. Uh, you know, the Bulldogs have had great success at that safety position over the years, and hopefully, there's just going to be a couple more guys who are going to come in and really shut things down for the Bulldogs. Now, last but not least, we've got the special teams. Uh, Jackson, Dylan, Dylan Lynch gets the kicker um, nod over uh, Abraham Montano. Uh, The punter is Carlson King with Landon Ogles at the backup position. Uh, Holder is Carson King um, uh, with Logan Fife. And then kick returner is Jalen Gill um, with Eric Brooks. And punt returner Jalen Gill with Jalen Moss. Uh, Surprised that Montano didn't keep on to his uh, starting position there, Jackson?
1: Yeah, I mean that's one area that's uh, probably overlooked a little bit right now in terms of the depth chart. I mean that's a pretty big development that uh, Montano did not retain his starting spot. Dylan Lynch was the fill in last year when Montano was hurt, and now with uh, even playing field and the training camp to compete, uh, they went ahead and made Lynch the guy. Uh, I do know Montano right after last season had surgery, and you know there could be a case that he's not quite a hundred percent still even right now or. You know, that you know, he's just not as comfortable as he was and you know, we saw him in 2021 made just about everything when they asked him to and last season he had some struggles and I believe they were injury related and it's possible that perhaps he's not in the starting level now with health reasons as well but it could also be that Lynch just flat out won the job uh, I mean he was solid when they needed him last year and so we haven't seen him really kick it deep or from you know 40 plus a whole lot but he was really solid from inside the forty, and um, I mean that's going to be a big deal for the offense. That without all the offensive weapons they had last year, they may be kicking a little more field goals than we saw last season. And then on the returns, again Jalen Gill with the Nico Armijo uh, comparisons, that was a spot that he was expected to fill, and they've got him there. I think Jalen Moss is really surprised as a punt returner and may get a few opportunities, and um, but feeling pretty good about those two. The word I got from coach Baxter was that they may not have a proven commodity like Remigio, but they feel like they've got three plus guys that could all potentially be that kind of a returner for Fresno state. Um, The other thing, if he mentioned that he was that he said Remigio got two or he ran back two touchdowns, but they thought he should have had four. So um, (laughs) maybe uh, there's a guy that's capable of one and maybe they get two for him That. They'll have just as many touchdowns, even if uh, they're not quite as special as Remigio was on returns. But I do think Gil has the capability to, to do some special things like Remigio did.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if Gil, can, if Gil gets the opportunity to to get a little bit of room, um, he could take it all the way. I mean, that's just where uh, the talent that Gil has as well. Uh, so, uh Stay tuned for the for the for the show the the Jalen Hill show here or Jalen Jalen Gill. Jeez, I am all over the place with names today. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's going to be interesting to see, especially heading into this week. And now, Jackson Nick gives us a chance now to kind of. Break it down, uh, where the Bulldogs now are facing uh, the Purdue Boilermakers, and so this is your opportunity to kind of, kind of, kind of show your stuff, Jackson. Let's let's do a little bit of a comparison here. Let's start off with Fresno State's offense versus uh, the Purdue Boilermakers defense, and where do you see how these two stand against each other?
1: Yeah, you know this has been a tough game to prepare for, and that is also from Fresno State's standpoint. You know, talking to them, trying to get a feel for what they're going up against, and you know you've got P- Purdue with a brand new coaching staff. You've got them with new schemes, and you've got them with a lot of new transfer portal players too. Um, so you mix that all together, and I mean, what are the Bulldogs doing to prepare? Do they watch Purdue's film last year? Are they watching the previous coaches' film from their former schools the year before. They're watching the film from the other schools where the transfers have come in for. Uh, So this is just one of those games where um, uh, there's a lot of questions and you kind of just have to wait and see how it's going to play out. But I think as far as the scheme Fresno State is going to play, Purdue is going to be implementing the 3-4 defense. They come from uh, Ryan Walter's scheme. He was the defensive coordinator at Illinois uh, and he had quite a bit of success with his scheme there. They did have a pretty elite defensive line and, Uh, they're going to have some big defensive linemen in this this front too, which could give Fresno State some trouble. Um, I I do know a lot of 3-4 defenses from covering some at other schools uh, largely have to get pulled out into a 4-2-5 nickel formation when teams are spreading the field out like Fresno State does. So that might also change the equation. So, um, I mean, there's a lot to account for here. But the big thing I think for me is going to be that Purdue front, you know, they're on paper supposed to be a 3-4, again, three big linemen and two pretty big outside linebackers, too. I mean, we're talking a lot of tall and 300-plus by a lot <laughs> type of defensive linemen, and you're like six, four 250, 260 outside linebackers. So, I mean, this offensive line is going to be tested right off the bat. Um, I think, you know, I, I don't know too much about their back seven as, or back six as much, but um, there not a, a whole lot of over-the-top players out there that I think are going to cause too much trouble for Fresno State. So I think as far as the Bulldogs' offense goes, as excited as we are to see all these new players fit into their new roles, that it's probably going to come down to the trenches is uh, where it's going to be decided.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be interesting to see um, because you've got, uh, I mean, you were talking about uh, you know, who do they watch? But isn't that like a, a a problem nowadays that everyone has to deal with, with this transfer portal being the way it is? Uh, yeah. mean, you've got teams that basically look nothing like the team they did last year.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, just about every school in the country is going to have to deal with that week one. But, you know, I, I counted there's 88 games this weekend and there's 130 Three FBS teams, so there's a, a whole lot of teams are playing FBS schools, where the personnel probably is not going to matter a whole lot. You know, and then when they face a big game in the second week, they've got some film where you know th- there's not a lot of schools that have the guts to put on a game like for Fresno State versus Purdue on both sides in week one. Um, and so these are two teams that are going in blind in a lot of ways to what they're expecting. But you know, just to run down some of the size, you know. The D-line, Purdue's going to have 6'4", 310, 6'3", 335, 6'3", 300, And one of the line, outside linebackers is 6'4", 280. Um, so this is a little more size than Fresno State's going to be used to seeing in conference play. Um, in the secondary, they've got a lot of upperclassmen, but one true freshman. So we'll see if maybe the Bulldogs try to pick on him a little bit. <laughs>
0: yeah it's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch because typically anytime Fresno State takes on one of these power five schools, they're they're usually uh, out outweighed significantly, but yet the Bulldogs manage to stay in the game. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how that turns out. Now on the flip side of things, of course, you've got Fresno State's defense taking on Purdue's offense, and how do you see that kind of shaking out?
1: Yeah, so you know, I spent all offseason thinking you know, as good as Fresno State's defense is going to be and as many questions as Bulldogs are going to have on offense, that the Bulldog defense is going to be plenty good enough to make this a low-scoring game, and you know hopefully the offense scores enough to get out with a the win. Um, then I watched Hudson Card film. <laughs> the quarterback for Purdue, I mean, this is a very talented quarterback. He was at Texas the last few years. He's uh, filled in several times. He. Probably should have led an upset over number one Alabama. Uh, he did lead a what would have been or what was a go-ahead field goal. Uh, the Texas defense let him down and let Alabama score right after that to, for the Crimson Tide to win that game. I mean, if Texas wins, you know he would might have been tough to ever take him out of that starting position. And watching the film, you know, it's, he wasn't just filling in. I mean, he made a lot of very impressive plays. You know, he's not among the elite quarterbacks in college football by any stretch but what i saw on film was far superior than most mountain west schools are, are going to have a quarterback and you know what we're used to seeing on a weekly basis the bulldogs facing they haven't had to, face, had to face a lot of big time quarterbacks you know except for caleb williams a heisman winner last year uh you know not i mean no one compared to jay caner on their own offense you had chevin cordero at san jose state and maybe Talon Green with his legs at Boise State, but not a lot of top-end quarterbacks in the Mountain West right now or really in the last couple of years. So uh, this is going to be a big challenge for the Bulldogs to deal with Card. I mean, again, uh, as much as I like Carlton Johnson and Cam Lockridge, Card's one of those guys that he can read the field enough to find that third or fourth guy. He's got the legs to scramble and pick up that first down when you think you got him stopped. So I think Card's going to be a – a pain in the butt for Fresno State. Um, But I am hearing that Purdue is dealing with quite a bit of injury issues on the O-line. And, um, I mean, I'm talking like three or four different guys. So, you know, hopefully that works to the Bulldogs' advantage and uh, they can get in the backfield and disrupt him. Um, Overall, this is also a wrinkle that they've added in Graham Harrell as an offensive coordinator. He led that USC offense in 2019. When the Bulldogs went down to the Coliseum, and again, one of those guys that just likes to spread the field out and launch the ball around and uh, be as exciting as possible. So the Bulldogs secondary is going to get a whole lot of balls thrown their way and get tested. And um, produce pretty well stocked at wide receiver. They've got some good talent there. They've got a six foot two hundred running back, and and here's the backup: six one two ten, six foot two twenty five. Oh jeez, as far as. When you think Big Ten, they're not going to run a Big Ten offense with Harold back there as a coordinator, uh, but they do have Big Ten running backs. So um, even if the O line struggles uh, for Purdue, <laughs> uh, the Bulldog defense is going to get a big bowling ball coming their way every time, <laughs> even if they get in the backfield. So um, again, it's really tough to project. Uh, if Card wasn't on this team, I think I would be very, very confident. About a Fresno State win, uh, not that they can't win with Card back there. I just think that it, he evens the playing field quite a bit, and that's why this game feels like such a toss-up to me right now. The line is four points in favor of Purdue. Um, I think it could go either way, and um, but stopping Card is priority number one for anything for Fresno State in my mind.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is going to be it's it. it I mean, either it could be amazing to watch or it could be very painful to watch um, <laughs> as to what the Bulldogs are able to do against uh, these big, uh, you know, for by lack of a better term, b- these big ass men. <laughs> I mean, uh, so it's, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that one shapes up. Uh, but now, I mean last is 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 of course the special teams we can never miss on you know forget about the special teams because they could always change a game one way or another where do you see these two teams special teams wise matching up
1: yeah i know you hope that coach baxter can cook something up Uh, you know it it feels like every game he does have something cooked up Uh, but it's usually based on film you know they find out some sort of deficiency in the opposing team and so it's going to be tough to find that for, the, for a team that doesn't have any film and is doing different things on special teams. But um, I think there is potential for Jalen Gill to break one. So, I mean, there's not going to be a lot of uh, known film for Purdue or what to how to guard him in Fresno State's uh, scheme on special teams either. So, I mean, that, that's always a chance. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a wait and see. I think both teams will be probably a little bit conservative on special teams, given that. But, you um, know, we'll see. I, I mean, you never count out something unusual. The coach Baxter back there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just having Baxter back there is usually uh, uh, to get usually gives the bulldog and uh, bulldogs an edge. Anybody who has Baxter uh, on the, on their coaching staff usually gives them an edge automatically on special teams. He just seems to know how to f- figure things out. You know, like you said, he's not going to have the opportunity to see things on film. But after, you know, just simply watching what's happening uh, on the field, he'll be able to make his adjustments by halftime, and it'll be a different special teams, I can guarantee you. Uh, So, I mean, it could get interesting, Jackson. I mean, this looks like on paper. What are your thoughts on paper as to what this looks like?
1: Yeah, I keep going back and forth. You know, this game in some ways feels a lot like some of the games Fresno state has gone through in past years, you know, the, the Minnesota's and the Oregon States, you know, those beatable power five schools that they've just fallen a little bit short against at the same time. I think Purdue is going through enough changes with the coaching change with the portal and so many new pieces that they could be very vulnerable and, you know, be just the type of team Fresno state needs to face to get a a really solid power five win. Uh, I think the thing that is going to tip the scale for me and I'm planning on putting in my, our uh, game prediction story here at the end of the week is that Fresno State's got Coach Tedford and Purdue's got 37-year-old Ryan Walters, who has obviously worked his way up and earned his spot. But this guy has not had coached one college football game before. And I just feel like Coach Tedford, I mean, that's got to account for something. To have a guy with almost two decades of very high-level coaching experience I feel like he's going to have his team ready just enough to overcome some of the intangibles, the traveling across the country, the playing at a Power 5 venue with the hostile, bigger crowd, the bigger players, as we've mentioned, the the time difference, playing 9 a.m. body clock for Fresno State uh, over there across the country, the travel. Uh, I think Coach Tedford can be the great equalizer in all those things that gets the Bulldogs a, a tight victory here.
0: Yeah, and that, that would be fun to watch, uh, to have the Bulldogs come out on top against a Power 5 team uh, such as Purdue. A um, whole lot of question marks. <laughs> There's still a whole lot of question marks. Uh, but it is something that can be overcome by the Bulldogs. If things fall into place correctly, this should be a great matchup. Um, and I, I believe that's it. That's, that's our breakdown. For this upcoming game, um, but you know, take take from that what you will. Uh, but this turn, this has the makings of being a great game uh, for the Bulldogs. So keep an eye on this one. Uh, I believe kickoff is nine a.m. our time or Eastern time, Jackson.
1: Yeah, that'll be nine a.m. our time, so our time. early morning for the Red Wave, and uh, I know a lot of us. I've been hearing a lot of fans talking about where's the watch party. And I, I don't know many places that are going to be open at 9am that, <laughs> that are that kind of a place. So if you know where the watch party is going to be head over to the bark board and, and get that going and organize one or, you know, find your nearest buddy and, and make omelets as the game gets going. I guess
0: <laughs> I have I have a feeling the Mad Duck might open up early. They usually do that for these kind of games, uh, so keep uh, keep an eye on on that. Just check out the Mad Duck because I I have a feeling they will open up early. They always do every year, uh, so they may have something cooking in the, in the works here.
1: Uh, but one one tidbit: uh, I'm on assignment this weekend for some other games and. I'm going to be at Hawaii Stanford on Friday night. and uh, I'm going to have to wake up at 6 a.m. on the island to watch this one. <laughs> so, uh, no excuses for my fellow Bulldog fans who get to watch it at night. And no, and no
0: complaining either. Jackson's already, he's going to be up really early to watch this one. Uh, so, and that's uh, what, that's 6 a.m. Hawaii time, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that would be what, uh, I don't know, what, two o'clock hour time?
1: <laughs> no, it'll be, it'll be 9 a.m. <laughs> California still, but it'll be 6 for me. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, that's going to be fun for you. Uh, but, yeah, just keep an eye out, uh, out for that game. Early kickoff, not something the Bulldogs are used to. Uh, how they're going to cope, that is going to be the story, so we will see how things pan out uh, there. Now, Jackson, um switching gears here uh some things have happened since our last podcast there have been some recruiting news and uh why don't we go ahead and and share that with the the fans who may not already know
1: yeah a uh, big commitment for fresno state uh, logan stute committing to the bulldogs over a lot of big offers uh, washington cal um washington state also had offered him i had air force so I mean, the Bulldogs were able to keep him home. He's been a, a hometown Bulldog-born, Bulldog-bred kind of a guy. There's uh, an awesome tweet that Gabe put out, Gabe, Gabe Camarillo, for, who helps us out with the Bark Board, where he got his hands on a little video clip of Jaden Mandel and uh, Logan Stute at a Bulldog game. They're like, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old or something like that. <laughs> it's pretty neat to see them that they're going to be teammates now together at, at the college level in that same stadium. Um, Bulldog that is another commitment as well uh, from Jason Nixon, the tight end at Liberty, who had been playing quarterback up until this summer. The Bulldogs saw him on the camp circuit and really liked him with his size, 6'5", 220 pounds. He's, I believe, the son of the head coach there, so, and Bulldogs really like that. That was kind of intangible in their players, but you know, the marquee one is Stute, and they've also got Marshall Sanders, who had, I believe, committed the before our last podcast, another big time local commitment. And between those two and, uh, Marcel Aikens and Titus Kajavi, the Bulldogs got four of the top five Valley plate recruits in this class. So, you know, huge deal for Fresno state to clean house like that. And, um, I, I want to hear your perspective too, because you know, we, we've been able to cover a lot of these ceremonies. And I know you were at Jalen Cropper's way back when, and uh, Gabe was over at Marshall Sanders and you were able to get us for Logan Stute. So, uh, you fill me in a little bit about what that environment was like and uh, what it, the atmosphere was when he uh, put that bulldog head on.
0: Well, it was uh, it was it was a little surreal. I mean, there's a lot of people there, uh, a lot of family and friends, coaches, and uh, and and people. But you you kind of got the sense that everyone there already knew what was going on. <laughs> we were just the ones that didn't know <laughs> so we were taking a look around and uh and people i mean there was some hints because there was certain colors being presented out in a crowd so you kind of kind of got the feel of what was going to happen um and and you know they were very welcoming they're very appreciative that we were out there uh and in fact they didn't they didn't want to do it without us being out there so that's why they 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 called you and you you had me pop over there um so it was i mean Great food, great atmosphere. Everybody – it was a, a buzz going on, and he was just giddy as a schoolgirl. <laughs> um, so when he was uh, presenting everything, he was he, he felt very proud and, and seemed very proud, um, especially when they unveiled the big uh, bulldog uh, letters out in, in the middle of, uh, of the stage there for everybody to see. Uh, I mean, he was just uh, – he was – Very happy with his decision and spoke very highly of the Bulldogs and uh, and how excited he was to to be joining his best friend um, on the Bulldog field. So it it was it was quite a scene to take in and uh, I'm glad I was being was able to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, I, I was gonna ask. I, I saw a few clips with that those big Go Dog letters in the background.
0: And <laughs> yeah,
1: like that under a tarp. Or I mean, yeah. that, it wasn't much of a surprise. <laughs> they, they,
0: they had it under they had it under a blanket. So that's why I was like, you kind of got an idea what was gonna happen. Um, but it was it was fun to watch how excited he was uh, to unveil to the to the fans that he was gonna stay home. So uh, he said it wasn't a very easy decision, although a. Lot lot of what was going on in uh conference realignment was really didn't play a factor but it, it also unsettled him at the same time uh so it was uh it, it's really something that you have to kind of keep an eye out with these uh, local recruits in these days with these uh with these power five teams especially the remaining of the pack what what are we calling them the pack four <laughs> 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 so uh that really is is going to play a factor this season in recruiting just keep an eye on that that's for sure um and speaking of you know the pack four and conference realignment we can't end this podcast jackson without actually touching upon just a little bit about what's going on um you know things seem to have settled down and it doesn't look like there's going to be much movement until sometime next season right jackson
1: so you know, it's down to those pack four um I mean, it was a, a wild series of events where uh, a lot of the PAC schools thought that they were about to sign an extension and stick together with those 10, or the 9, I guess, after Colorado left. And um, Really, the, the pin that was pulled and changed everything was when the Big 10 was you know, extended that offer to Washington and Oregon. And when they bolted, then Arizona stayed. And um, Arizona and Utah were all <laughs> knocking on the Big 12's door <laughs> to get over after being very reluctant for very uh, many months before that and uh, that's complicated things for fresno state too as well um it felt like as long as the pac-12 didn't implode fresno state was going to be on that list to get to 16 schools and now they're at 16 and uh, they've tried a little bit harder to see if they could get to 17 or 18 to get fresno state but i mean there's about 100 million dollars annually that are owed to the big 12 from mostly ESPN a little bit from Fox with these new additions. So not much more money to go around. So on that standpoint, uh, things are probably going to settle for a couple of years here. Um, we're hearing that the big 12 is going to try again, perhaps in two years and see if there's some money to bring in maybe a Fresno state and a Yukon, but um, there's still, I mean, something's got to happen with that pack four. They can't get to the 2024 season, which is now, less than 12 months away with only four teams in it. Um, everything I'm hearing with Cal and Stanford is that they've been actively trying to get to the ACC, which just sounds absolutely bizarre geographically, but um, geography is kind of out of the window right now with with the way the Big Ten has expanded westward. And It sounds like eventually this is going to happen, that Cal and Stanford and SMU also are going to go to the ACC for a, a big discount and TV money that will be spread among the existing ACC schools um, to, for them to get on board with adding some of these other teams. And then that's just going to lead the Pack 4 down to a Pack 2 if that does happen with Oregon State and Washington State. And I think it's pretty likely that they end up in the Mountain West. Uh, it's possible they could go to the American Athletic Conference. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to rebuild. Or with just two schools, maybe they can merge or, or something like that. but. I think that's the way we're headed. Um, If Stanford and Cal cannot make the ACC work, then that's where things can get complicated here because if there are four schools together, they may be able to rebuild that thing with some Mountain West schools, with some American athletic schools. Um, On paper, they would be able to get a pretty decent TV deal, considering um, one that's better than the Mountain West right now. but. Uh, you, once you factor in all the buyouts, that's where I have trouble penciling this thing out because those American athletic schools have $17 million buyouts right now. Mountain West has $34 million buyouts. I, I don't know where all that money is going to come from unless they dissolve a the conference. And I think the, the numbers are too high. Uh, even uh, It's going to take nine Mountain West schools to dissolve the Mountain West. I don't think those four want nine Mountain West schools. I think they'd rather have six if they can. So, um a little bit of a wait and see. Uh, I still don't think that Pac-4 expansion is ever going to happen, but it, it could definitely get tricky if Cal and Stanford don't get to the ACC. And I think we'll have an answer on that. I, I thought we'd have it by now. I, I don't think it'll take much longer than a week or two. I think they'll either have a yes or a no, and then we can have a good idea of what the, the final dominoes are going to be in all this after that.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what is going to happen here. I mean, you've got f- these four teams left. Um, if those two end up leaving to the ACC, I'm I'm confident that, that it's going to be those other two teams are going to be added to the Mountain West at least for a year or two until the next round of things. And then they may find themselves in another division or another conference. Uh, so the Mountain West might find themselves as a uh, as beneficiaries of a couple of Pac-12 teams <laughs> um, here in the next few months. Um, so we will see what happens there. Now, if those other two teams stay put, they may make a run at bringing in teams from, you know, a couple of teams from the Mountain West, a couple of teams from, uh, I don't know, the what are we gonna say? The MAC or the <laughs> or, or conference USA? I don't know. I, it's gonna be very hard for them to rebuild a Power Five conference. Um, even though the, it, they they are still tagged with a Power Five conference uh, label, so if they were able to bring in teams, would they be able to keep that status, Jackson?
1: Um, there are some assets that they have that are valuable and i believe you know it's twofold because i believe to have autonomous status you have to be voted in by the other conferences so i would imagine that it's going to be tough for them to keep that on the other side um to get to the new college football playoff it doesn't matter which conference you're from it's the top six conference champions right now and um, presumably, <laughs> most years four are going to come from the SEC, ACC, Big Twelve, and Big Ten until anything further happens with all this. But um, if a, a rebuilt Pack Four might be the most likely school to or conference to grab one of those next spots and have some of the perks of being a Power Five conference that they've been in the past. You know, I've seen some breakdowns. It's all pretty much all been speculative, but. No, if you take the four best Mountain West schools and the four best American Athletic schools and the four best back, I mean, the only four schools left in the pack. I mean, it's. I think it's a conference that's superior to anything else in the group of five, and uh, it's not a bad option. But I think for Fresno State, they're just so close to a Big Twelve opportunity that I'd just rather that not even happen, and just keep your fingers crossed for two years to see if it comes through or not.
0: I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know the Mountain West. If they were smart, they'd pull Bulldogs, San Diego, uh, Boise, and let me see who would who would be the fourth. Uh, I mean, Army, Air
1: Force might be one of those schools. Um, no, you know uh, that's the other thing with the back four, though. I mean, the, the list that I laid out, or you know, best four from each conference is one thing, but you know, you've got Cal and Stanford that love their academics and big markets. You know, they might pick. UNLV and Colorado State and some schools over Fresno State and Boise State. That's because so, they don't like you know, us. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other thing. That there's just It would be a whole lot easier if those two schools just get out of the way and go to the ACC and,
0: Tell me how you and really make life Jackson.
1: less complicated for Fresno State. You know, and I don't say that as a negative because, I mean, I cover those two schools as well. I just think that politically it's not a good situation for Fresno State to have to rely on those two, which they will if it's still a Pac-4. And uh, you know, if those two go to the ACC, they're happy. They're in a power five conference. I don't know how long that conference is going to stick together, but uh, then it, it opens a lane for Fresno State to either keep doing what it's doing in the Mountain West, or you know, be that California school that the Big Twelve looks to in a, a couple of years. You, when this all settles down, there's no way the Big Twelve is not in California, and I think it's just a matter of time um, before Fresno State can get there. Um, San Diego State's really the only other option after Cal and Stanford. and uh, They have really made some enemies in all this conference realignment stuff, with the way that they've handled everything. So uh, I think the Bulldogs are in a good spot. But you know, a lot of politics, a lot of dollars, and a lot of waiting right now.
0: Yeah, I, I think San Diego State's the one, uh, the one team that n- no conference really likes at the moment, not even the Mountain West. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you want to go? Go. Just pay us, you know, pay us the millions of dollars you owe us. Um, So it's, uh, yeah, it's really getting to a point where things are going to start getting touchy. uh, But like Jackson said, it could still happen uh, here, uh, um, you know, very, very quickly. Or it could drag on for another couple of years. Uh, I'm hoping it happens soon, <laughs> and so we can end all of these conference realignment discussions and call it a day. But until that happens, you're probably gonna be hearing a little bit about this on in almost every single podcast as we know nothing else has happened. <laughs> So uh, we'll keep an eye on that and we'll let you know as things progress. I'm pretty sure Jackson usually knows a lot more than what he's letting on. So we'll just keep poking the bear until he gives us a little more. So, (laughs) um, but that being said, if you are looking for us uh, or Jackson, any final thoughts before I start heading into our closing uh, statements here?
1: Yeah. So there's a few items. Um, If you're not already on barred VIP, Right now through Wednesday, uh, Wednesday at 9 o'clock, it's just a dollar for your first month. Uh, you can join in, you can get on all the scoop from Fall Camp. Uh, we have a very lengthy report just about every day from practice and uh, interviews, one on ones with a lot of the players. And we've got it really neatly posted on the VIP board pinned where you can just click on that. And I've got links to all the daily reports there. Uh, a lot of other features we've done over camp too. And, um, if you, uh, the other way also is that after Wednesday on Thursday, we're going to have a sale starting. I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag right now. It's going to be 50% off VIP for new members. Um, so if you want to get on Barkboard VIP for the whole season for a big discount the whole academic year, really, um, you can join in on Thursday through the weekend and get on that. We're going to have a whole bunch of coverage from practice this week. Uh, we get to start our mega reports from practice, where we get really in depth on the matchup and our interviews with the players and coaches, and break that down and discuss um, you know, how the game may turn out at a deeper level. Um, and, and get to see some of those one-on-one interviews. We've also fortunate—we um, don't get it every week with the Mountain West, but we do have a twenty-four-seven sports affiliate at Purdue, so we get to ask him about some questions about the Boilermakers and get a better understanding for them. That'll be on the VIP board this week. I'll have some other features, including my recruiting breakdown. And um, on the free side, we are going to have some other previews, uh, an outlook for Purdue, and um, our prediction story for the game, we uh, up to kickoff. So uh, just be sure to head to BarkBoard.com. And again, if you're not already on VIP, you can do the dollar uh, for your first month on Wednesday or Thursday on. You can get a whole year for 50% off. And We hope you'll join us uh, along this ride for the 2023 season. And uh, you'll definitely get as inside of an outlook of the program as you can possibly get with Parkboard VIP.
0: Absolutely, so yeah, there's a lot coming through the pipeline as we start to kick off the season uh, for the Bulldogs. So keep an eye out for the Barkboard.com and get all of your latest news and fixes uh, from there. You know, typically we drop the news before the local media does. So if you uh, haven't figured that out yet, you're missing out. So, uh, oh
1: yeah, good example. We named Mikey Keen, the star. we reported that Mikey Keen was named the starter. Officially, uh, like two or three days before it came out anywhere else, so yeah, <laughs> all the Barkboarders were sitting on that. It didn't spread on social media or anywhere. So thank you guys and <laughs> yeah. uh, Barkboard VIPS knew that that was named way before it came out publicly. Yeah, a lot of examples like that.
0: Yeah, and and we do it quite often. In fact, one of our uh, our longtime listeners, uh, his favorite. His quote is still my favorite quote. He says, it's where the news gets the news. <laughs> so uh, we, we tend to break things a lot sooner than the local media does. Uh, we have a lot of inside uh, tips. So if you, uh, like I said, if you haven't figured that out yet, you're missing out because you, you end up looking like the smartest guy in the room with your friends when you're talking about things. So, <laughs> so that being said, if you're looking for us, you can find me on Twitter at Twitter. Uh, or you can find Jackson on Twitter at jacksonmore 247 You can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. Um, if you haven't done so already, head over to Facebook and give it a like. Just look for the TheBarkBoard.com. And as always, head over uh, to The BarkBoard where you can get both free and premium subscriptions for the boards. Um, And, of course, you want to be at the premium subscription where you can get all the latest news and updates. Uh, So be sure to head on over there. And it comes with a lot of perks, kind of like Paramount Plus. If you haven't figured that out yet, Paramount Plus is included in premium subscriptions. So if you don't already have that service provider, you can get a lot of great content. Uh, Both Jackson and I enjoy that daily. Right, Jackson? It's, it's, It's fun to have. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh yeah, and I hear from a lot of my uh, subscribers for the Barkport that maybe they don't even use it, but their, their spouse, is, who is not at all that in tune to Fresno State Sports, does use the Paramount Plus, and when their Barkport subscription runs out, they get a, a, a lash and a tongue lash The <laughs> 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 Paramount Pro Plus not being active anymore, so yeah, uh, just to point out that it is a our, our loyalty perk, so... Um, If you do come in on a a promotional price, you do have to wait till it renews or you can reach out and uh, waive that promotion to to get Paramount Plus because you're still coming out way ahead when you combine the the two subscriptions at that discount.
0: Absolutely. So if you uh, are on on the edge of deciding whether or not to get a premium subscription and you've been thinking about paramount well guess what you can have both <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so head over to the barboard get your premium subscription and all it will be good in the world that being said i want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of fresno state athletics